did you guys, um, either one of you, um, run us through the events, uh, the weeks leading up to her disappearance? Erin, you'd be best at that. Um, it, it was really hard. It was hard for me just because, you know, I was working a lot at the time and I had just moved into my own place. So I had, I was fixing up my place. Like it's a fixer upper, just making it ready for us to live in and taking care of the kids. And then also Andrew was having a lot of issues. Um, she, there were a lot of arguments going on leading up to this, just because of the situation we were, when she got evicted from her home, it was a pretty big house. I think it was like a four bedroom home. And so we were rushing, like racing against time to get all of her stuff out in time before the landlord changed the lock. So that was a really stressful time. You know, imagine rushing, moving heavy furniture and washers and dryers out in the middle of the summertime. So it, it was hard. It was was, you know, our, my kids, myself, Sarah, and my mom, we were all, everyone was over there moving oh her out. And, and I, I said to her at one point, where are these friends, these people that you call friends, where are they? And that made her really mad. Well, you know, I mean, feeling for her. the truth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the way I feel is that that's what family's for. If, if you don't say those hard truths to your family, you, do you really care? Exactly. So, I feel like that's what, that's what we were attempting to do with her and, and it, it made her upset, but I think that's pretty normal in the beginning of a turning point in your life. It's uncomfortable and it's going to upset you. So right. I don't think anybody was necessarily wrong in any of the arguing that was happening. I think it was just a very difficult situation, um, with people that love each other. I mean, this is life. It's not always pretty. Right. And, I think it was just that that's what was happening at the time. So from the outside, when it gets sensationalized, people can say, oh, they're terrible people. But I would hope someone would do this exact same thing for me. If, if I was making bad choices, I would want my family to tell me and not some random stranger making fun of me, you know? I agree. Right. So you, I know she was, a, how long was it before her disappearance that she was evicted? Um, probably maybe two months at the most, I oh, would that say. Was recent. Okay. Yeah. It happened almost just barely after she moved in with my mom and I know she was sleeping, sleeping in a lot in the mornings and, um, we were really worried. I found out after she went missing that she had been applying for jobs and she wasn't telling anybody. So I feel like she was following her advice that she was telling me, you know, a year, year or two earlier. Remember where like when people are not really believing and you don't tell them about right, like, stuff. I'm going to prove it to you. Right. Yeah. Like actions speak louder than words. So I'm not right. even going to tell them. So it made me, it was very bittersweet. You know, it made me really, really happy, but it also made me really, really sad when I, I was checking her voicemail and I saw that she was getting calls back about interviews that, that she had lined up. So that was really hard for me. So that's one thing that tells me that she was, she would have gotten out of this. And she had a job prior to um, her eviction. It was, uh, she worked at Humana. Yeah, she had that job for about a decade. We wow. worked down, yeah, we worked down the street from each other. So Humana is in downtown Louisville on Main Street. And I was, at the time I was working in IT, I worked there for about eight to 10 years um, at Mercer Transportation. 
which is a few blocks down the road on Main Street also. So we would walk and meet in the middle and, and go to lunch together almost every day, or we'd drive to the same same place and meet. So it was that was a lot of fun. Um, I can't go downtown without thinking about Andrea. It's a special place that we had a lot of great memories. But yeah, she worked there for a very long time. Um, she had a few odd jobs after that that she would do to make ends meet. She had a roommate. Uh, she worked at some restaurants. She did the Uber Eats that we talked about earlier. And then she would sell merchandise. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Like she would go to a warehouse and you would look at pallets. And it, it kind of reminded me of Storage Wars. Have you seen that before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like you can see, you can't really tell everything that's inside of the unit, but you can bid on it or whatever. So it was similar where you could buy a pallet. Um, Ooh, that's fun. It's like exciting. Yeah and, you could, yeah. and like you couldn't see it was surrounded by cardboard, like it had cardboard walls, but you could see what was on the very top of the pallet. Um, and it was wrapped in like plastic wrap. So you could kind of guess at what was inside of there based on what was on the top. And she would tell me that what she wanted to do was get the pallet that had the most expensive things in it, you know, like bigger expensive things, because then it would be quicker to sell it. Um, like TVs, or um, computer mo like monitors, it could, or it could be like uh, coffee makers. Um, I kept a lot of her stuff. I still have it in, in my closet, just in case, you know, she ever comes back. I have crock pots right now. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, just a lot of household items. I also have her pictures, like her artwork that she made hanging up in my living room. She, um, does she draw? Um, she, she painted this picture. She wasn't, she liked art, but not to the extent that I do, but she would do it for fun. Yeah. Have you ever done one of those classes where you can like drink wine with your friends and they teach yeah. you how to paint? Um, she, not very good, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did one of those and, and I, I love it. I thought it was cute and like a, a fun picture. It looked like, um, like downtown Louisville, um, the skyline and, uh, it has, says L1C4 on it, like Louisville First Cards Forever. Um, but yeah, it makes me happy when I see see her pictures and things on my wall. It just makes me think of fun times with her because I don't know if, if you like when, you know, if you're sitting around with friends and family and just having conversations, like you don't just sit there and like stare and like zero in on them the whole time. You kind of look around while you're talking. Well, there's just been times where we would talk and laugh and I'd look around the room and, and that's what I would see were those pictures. So now when I see them, it makes me think about our talks and, and fun times. Um, so her, what happened with her car? Um, so that's something that I feel like it's, people get it wrong a lot, but it's, it's kind of a complicated situation. So first her car broke down on the side of the expressway and uh, instead of her getting it fixed like getting it towed that night she ended up one of her friends convinced her to leave it there until the morning and then and then call and get it towed in the morning which I wish I would have known about that situation because I would have helped her right then um with roadside assistance or or whatever she needed I would have called my own um but anyways she didn't do it right away and she she said that it was because of safety she didn't want to wait in the car um, because it was a it was dangerous because it was snowing and everything. And I guess a snowplow ended up hitting it and totaling it. Oh gosh. 
Yeah. So then, um, a few months later, she ended up buying a car and it, it was a lemon. It broke down shortly after she bought it. So that's her last car that she had. And it sat in mom's driveway for about a year after she went missing. Um, she, we saw from her laptop that she had been searching for car parts. So, yeah. yeah. And she had a friend that she was planning on getting uh, him to fix it, but it, obviously that didn't get to happen. Um, either one of you, could you, could you run us through the events, the day, um, the day and the evening that Andrea went missing? Dad, do you want to say it or do you want me to? Go ahead, Aaron. Okay. You're on a roll. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to hog everything. But, um, so yeah, this is based on interviews that Ted, or not Ted, sorry, but Tracy had. Um, with all of our family members, and then also her uh, cell phone. So she had an Android phone. She was logged into her Gmail on her mm -hmm. phone, and then she was also logged into it on her laptop. So we were able to look on her laptop to see her phone's location. So anyways, this is what we know to, to have happened. Um, we always started at about dinner time on August 12, 2019. Uh, so what was ha what was happening during this time period? Of course, Andrea was living at my mom's house. My mom um, was having her bathrooms remodeled. These bathrooms are like the original. Everything was original from like the 1940s. I don't, are you familiar with the homes in Audubon Park? Yeah, they're really, I love the architecture, but yeah, they need to be updated. <laughs> Yeah, some of them are very, very old and, and, and need work, but they are, they are pretty ha houses. I, I love the neighborhood, but my mom's was one that needed to get updated. So anyways, um, I was like proud of her to like finally be doing something with it. It was a, a long time coming for that. So anyways, Sarah, my little sister, her fiance has had a construction business for at least a decade or more. Um, anyways, so he, he was in that line of work. So they agreed to come to Louisville and remodel mom's bathroom. So they lived in at my mother's home during that time period. And my mom's plan was to, to live with a, one of her, her best friend and then also her sister while this was happening because there were no working bathrooms. So, so were they constructing it to, to flip it or were they just as a favor to update it? I think my mom eventually plans on, on selling it, but at this time that, that's not happening. Just really, they wanted to get it updated and, and a nicer, like the, the shower upstairs, her only shower didn't work. She like, you could only take baths in the house because of the pipes were messed up too. So that was a part of it was fixing the bathroom pipes. Um, I know the, for those who don't know, this is a beautiful area. Like it's really, it's really cute. Yeah. Audubon Park it's a bird sanctuary so it's like you have to have a permit to cut down trees in Audubon Park so there's a lot of nature it's very pretty there um all the streets are named after birds and they have their own police force there's a country club so it's it's not an unsafe neighborhood by any means these are people that 
if you parked with your wheel in, in their grass a little bit, you know, the police are going to write you a ticket. So it's not an area where you would be like scared for your safety at all. These are people that her neighbors I've known my entire life, if not most of it. So just to set you up with like the idea of what things were like there. Um, so anyways, yeah, my mom was staying with a friend. She'd stay with either her best friend or her sister just to get through until the construction was done. That was the plan, but she would come over, uh, anyways, every day just to check on, you know, to your home. You want to check on how things are going or pick up a few things here and there. And she'd also bring dinner every night or anything else that they might need. Um, so she had brought Chinese food over and they were sitting around eating and talking and they were saying that Andrea needed to see a doctor. I think they wanted her to see a psychiatrist. Um, Why would they um, suggest a psychiatrist at the time? Because of the, the choices she was making and how her life was going. You know, she didn't have a car or a home. The because, friends... So because they didn't see her as getting back on the right path. Yeah, that we were worried about her state and her well-being. And that's why, you know, my dad was talking to her about going to rehab. She she rejected that. So you can't give someone help that they're not willing to receive. So right. the next thing is like, well, maybe meant of a therapist or maybe a psychiatrist could help her. You know, you just want to give any help that you can to get your family member back on track. Um, so that's what they were talking about. And I guess it turned into an argument, which, like I said, it was an, a common occurrence at this time period. Uh, she was just struggling to come to terms with it, I feel. Um, so I think her and my mom kind of argued about it. Um, and my mom, the way the way I describe her is that she'll, my mom will do absolutely anything for, for her children. Like for me, she would, she would do whatever. So she's a very loving, giving person. But if you're in a situation where you need her, like you can't survive on your own, she gets very worried, which I, I think that's a pretty normal thing. She, she is, gets in the mindset, if something happens to me tomorrow, what's going to happen to you? So she just worries a lot. So when one of her daughters is in that situation, you know, me with when I was going through a divorce, for example, she was very worried about me. So now it was Andrea's turn to have problems, I guess. And she wanted to hurry up and, and push, push her to get back on her feet so that she, you know, so she would know Andrea was okay. Um, so I think it just it put a lot of stress on the situation. I mean, that someone can feel that way and have the best intentions, but it might not always help the situation, if that makes sense. Right. Especially if they're not in the right frame of mind and they're maybe tired of people saying something but yeah. really it was all the best intentions so what was that yeah. what was that conversation like at the dinner table yeah well I wasn't there so I couldn't tell you word for word but from what Andrea told me when I saw her later on and what my mom said it was basically Andrea's Andrea's feelings were hurt by the way they mom was talking to her which it's, it's pretty normal. I mean, you know, families go through that sometimes. And I think that Sarah kind of jumped in and was like, mom's right. 
you need to listen to her and and that hurt Andrea's feelings. So Andrea ended up going up to her room, excuse me, and cooling off. And I think mom left. Andrea came back down and said she wanted to, she asked, I think, Ethan to take her to get something to eat and drop her off at the hospital. I guess she was like, oh. You guys uh, had, so they had dinner uh, Chinese that night, but I guess I'm assuming because of the argument, she didn't eat. Yeah, it interrupted for Andrea. So she went upstairs and I guess they finished eating while she was upstairs. So I guess she was like done with the Chinese situation. And so she just asked if he would, you know, go through the drive-through and then drop her off at the hospital. And she was wanting to go for her face and she was having a lot of issues with it at the time. And, and this was a pretty normal thing for her. She was wanting to get it checked by a doctor and get medicine. So she was asking for rides for that a lot. And she was wanting to go right then instead of scheduling an appointment with her doctor. So I guess they were just like, fine, you know, sure, I'll take you. So he dropped her off and the plan was for her to get a, uh, what's it called? A gift card that my mom had. She had an Uber gift card um, for Andrea to get home. And Andrea told me later on that night that it didn't work and she was upset about that. Um, but anyways, so she went to the hospital, she got her ride home and I'm not sure we've heard different stories on this. My friend, Michelle thought that Andrea got out of the car somewhere near my house, but I thought Andrea told me that she was locked out, like that she tried to get into mom's mom's house and she was locked out. So she either Ubered to my mom's house and then walked to my house or she Ubered to my house. It's one or the other. Do they not have the um, drop off location from the driver? I'm not sure. I'd have to... Tracy would know that. I know that we checked that out extensively early on, but it's, you know, it's been a couple of years now and yeah. I don't think anything came of it. Um, but anyways, yeah. I'm, I, so I was sitting on my porch uh, drinking a glass of wine with my friend, Michelle, and she was standing up across from me and, you know, a, a little bit further out from me because she was smoking a cigarette and I don't smoke cigarettes. So she was, you know, I was kind of, facing stay, sitting on my porch facing in this direction and Michelle was like facing me and like more down the street, the street that way right yeah so she felt like she might have seen Andrea get out of a car but I didn't see Andrea until she was like directly in front of me just because of the way I was sitting um so she walked up to me and she was like Aaron I've been trying to get a hold of you and I said oh I'm sorry like I, you know I was just focusing on my friend and, and sitting there talking to her my phone was in the kitchen um so I explained that to her and told her I was sorry. And she, she kind of, you know, the, the feeling you get when you're kind of holding it together because you're out in public and, and you see that person that you're like, you finally feel like you, you may, you reach your destination. You can let it all out. Like, like I, I'm with family. I, I can, I can finally say everything going on. So that, that's what she kind of did. She was very emotional and she kind of unloaded. She was like, you're not going to believe what happened. And she just told me, everything I told you about and she was upset and I was like I'm sorry that's happening and I could just tell she was very overwhelmed and that a lot of people were talking to her that night and telling her hard truths so what I chose to do when I really love someone a lot is I think about like would it really help the situation if I did if I agreed with them and hurt her feelings some more or does she need someone to listen to her right now so I chose to listen to her because I know sometimes that's all you need is just to have someone that cares that'll listen so I just 
let, let her let it all out and I told her like why don't you go inside and, and cool off because she's the kind of person <laughs> she's like me like she's a city girl like she doesn't she likes being outside but not you know when she's done being outside she wants to go in and, and be in air conditioning you know so she yeah. was like complaining about how hot she was and she was kind of upset about that and you know with her face already having like the skin issues like you don't want to be out all hot and sweaty like that so I told her to go in and, and she can kind of cool off and she went into my bathroom and uh rinsed put some cold water on her face and cooled off and then she sat on my floor and watched tv um the kids were sleeping on the couch at the time because like I was saying it's kind of a fixer-upper here and uh maintenance for my for my townhome they were there or they had been there fixing the pipes so it was kind of like the upstairs was not usable at this time. Um, so anyways, it was really quiet in, inside my living room and she was just sitting on the floor watching TV because the kids were there. Um, and I went outside in the front yard and I called mom and talked to her and I called dad and I just told them like, and, you know, I, Andrea's here. I'm really tired. I'm probably going to go to bed soon. And I said, I have to get up and go to work very, very early. And like we know, Andrew has been having problems lately and kind of hanging out with the dangerous crowd. And I just told them I was concerned that I'm worried. I don't want to have things like this happening at my place. Like I, so, I just, sorry. when you guys say, um, dangerous crowd, um, could you be more specific? Like what? Just, yeah. The people that I, we were talking about earlier that didn't really have the, her best interest in mind, like uh, we've tried to figure out who these people are. And a lot of times they go by nicknames. Um, the ones we have found were not very helpful and lawyered up. So we were not able, you can't force someone in a missing person's case. When it's an adult, you can't force people to talk um, because there's no proof of a crime being committed, unfortunately. So we've hit, hit a lot of roadblocks when we attempt to reach these people. And uh, even people that didn't, talk more really I don't feel like they gave us the full picture of what happened so what that's do you think that is well when you me for example like I really don't have anything to hide like I, I feel like what you see is what you get so if you're a person like this that leads an honest life that you're not ashamed of you're not going to be scared to give details and, and say things but if you have another side of you that the public doesn't see you don't want that extra attention on you like if I don't know if you're doing drugs or some other kind of high-risk lifestyle you're not going to want that attention on you so what they do I feel is they give us the sugar-coated version of events and try to be done with it as soon as possible that's what right. do you think Ted do you agree with that or what do you yeah. think about I, I, I totally agree with that I think uh a lot of the people that we have uh, talked to and interviewed, uh, you know, they want to give us what they want and the, their version of it. And a lot of it is sugar-coated or misleading in some way. Um, and just like Aaron said, this is the missing person case. It's not a crime. Right now, there's no, no crime com being committed. So um, we can't always make someone talked to us uh, lord knows i've knocked on enough doors and i'm sure mike has as well and uh and tried to talk to people we've had doors slammed in our face um 
you know, don't talk to me. I, I've got nothing to say. And then, then we've got the other, you know, perspective where they'll talk, but they won't give us the exact information we're wanting, you know, because they don't want to implement. Some people don't want to implement themselves into a crime or into a situation where their other business can get out. So, right. And I, I've thought about that. And I, on some level, I guess, put myself in their position, I can get that from their perspective. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you've got a human who is missing. Mm-hmm. Like, can we not put aside whatever to, to help find her? I mean, is there no way that the, um, their other activities could stay, could they stay anonymous? Well, and, and that's the, the case too, you know, um, is we've knocked on doors and, and I've, I've in interviews and, you know, I've told them, I don't care what you do. You know, I don't care what you're doing besides this. This is the only thing I'm interested in is Andrea. Um, this is my main, you know, my main focus. I, I don't care whatever else you're doing. It's not right. And they're probably really paranoid or scared. And well, they, they look at us as, and, and we're not police. We're not the police by no means. And we never pretended to be police. I mean, I don't uh, know. Robocop. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> um, you know, but when we walk up, they, uh, they instantly think, you know, you're law enforcement. And sometimes they don't want to, they, they don't want to discuss, discuss. Yeah. Some, I mean, or if even knock on my door, I'd be scared, Ted. <laughs> yeah, them, even if it's not police, like maybe like an authority figure, because mm-hmm. what I do is I'll message people or, you know, or I'll give them my number and say, call me so we can talk about this. And I might get like small details and I'll say like, will you talk to Ted for me about and tell him what you told me? Mm-hmm. And, and they'll be like, oh, I don't know about that. That's where they start them. to kind of get intimidated. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say he's not the police. He's, he's just a private investigator. All he does is is look for my missing sister and nothing else. And they'll say like, well, I got to help my dad do this or I got to do this. And, and I'll call him as soon as I'm done. But then the call never happens. Is there yeah. any way to guarantee that, like, let's say, let's say I'm one of those friends, friends, and I come forward and I'm like, hey, um, I, I know this thing that Andrea did with this person but I also have this thing going on where maybe like I'm involved with these wrong people on the side and I don't want to implement myself. So how could you guarantee, how could you guarantee my safety that like, you're not going to say anything? Hmm. Well, that's kind of a, I mean, uh, we can take the facts and follow, follow that lead that they give it us or that tip. Um, and, and kind of go to see what where it goes. And then we can kind of, you know, go around where the tip came from and then follow the facts from, from there on. You know, right. Um, so what if I, because I think this is what people um, would probably be most afraid of um, if they were in that world. If, uh, if I were someone who were dealing, for example, but I also maybe knew what happened to her, is there any way to keep that life separate Sure, sure. We can keep that separate. You know, we do, we don't have to bring that up. Uh, like I said, if if someone gives me a tip, say if you called you called in uh, to Tracy's number and said, "Hey, I've got this information. I want to I want to talk to you, but I want to leave myself out of it." You know, if that tip is substantial, 
and I can follow that tip to where it leads me, you know, it doesn't matter where the tip came from. You know, um, it matters the facts of that tip. Okay, did it lead me here? Okay, from this person on, from person two, or person from A to B, and now if B person leads me to C person, and which we've had some, some uh, people of interest do that already, you know, leave us to this other person. Um, so, and, and we'll do what we can to leave the original tip person out of it, you know? Okay. So, uh, yes, we can, uh, we can go by that. So, like I said, uh, our, our main goal is Andrea. I don't right. care. We don't care what, what you've done on the backside of this. If you can lead us to Andrea or mm -hmm. uh, let us know she's okay, you know, and, you know, and, and that's another, another issue as well. You know, if, 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 and when we do find Andrea and um, we do speak to her, you know, that, that, that's another issue too, you know, you know, is, is if she says, okay, we find her, she's alive and she's fine and she doesn't want to speak to anybody, you know, uh, that, that could be another scenario as well, right. you know, um, so we've got, we're always looking at the whole package, you know, not just this one one issue you know we've we've also had this the other people that in the in documentary uh, i don't even want to mention their names because to me they're they're not worth mentioning their names i've said this in other podcasts you know um one person from the beginning she mentioned andrea being dead from 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 day one of her missing you know they were out doing the search um and she said, oh, there's buzzards. Let's let's go look over here because I bet Andrea's here. You know, um, so, I mean, we, we are not thinking that. In our mindsets, we're not thinking, you know, um, we're not naive to that, you know, that she could be gone by now. Um, but we're that's not in our in, in our mindset. Right. Because there's no evidence that leads one way there's or no, another. Right? right. There's no foul play. That's there's no evidence of foul play right now um so in in our minds we are still searching um we're still searching promptly and effectively and following the leads that we have um and we're still thinking positive right so um to circle back to that evening um i know that there was a family altercation i know that andrea came and spoke with you aaron um i don't know who else she spoke with I'm assuming someone that upset, like I would reach out to anyone. I would reach out to anyone that I could. Um, is it possible or do we know that any of those people she reached out to maybe in turn, just very innocently reached out to somebody else? Like to just say like, you know, like, Hey, I just saw this crazy thing with Andrea or, you know, something like that, because I'm just wondering if it's possible that someone was like, Oh, so like she's vulnerable and alone tonight. It, it's possible, but I don't, it depends on who she called. We don't have her phone records. The police told us that, that she made, how, do you remember how many calls they said she made dad or, or Ted? Two or three. Yeah. I was going to say three. I thought, yeah. And we know she called Suzette. Suzette didn't answer. It was very late at night at this point. And then Suzette called her back, I guess, when she realized it and Andrea didn't answer. And then Yvette is the other person. And uh, 
the same thing happened actually. So what I feel could be possible is that she first tried to get in touch with people that she was closest with, people that we knew, and that maybe when she had trouble reaching them, she <clears throat> got in touch with someone else that was not so great. One of the people that we, we don't know about. Um, and something bad happened, maybe. Were the police called due to an altercation that night at, the, at mom's house? Not that night, but I think there had been other times where, where they were loud. And I don't know if it was them, they, if they called or if the neighbors did or what, but yeah, that, that did happen. Like the night before? I don't think it was the night before, but it was, you know, days before. And I think they suggested that uh, they file a mental inquest warrant for Andrea. And I think that mom, mom did that. Um, Basically, like if you feel like someone's a danger to themselves, you can do a 72 hour hold, mm-hmm. uh, yep. give them a chance to get, you know, evaluated and was it our lady of peace had she had she been there no she well it it never happened they um she ended up going missing before we could get her in that in that situation unfortunately did andrea get along with um her children's fathers i think in in a normal situation I mean, obviously they're exes for a reason, so they weren't like best friends or anything, but I feel like they had a norm, both had normal co-parenting relationships. So I heard a rumor that Andrea was under like a mental health watch at the time of her disappearance. So that's, that's not true. What is, what do you mean by mental health watch? Like, um, she had been hospitalized. That's not true. Okay. Um, What are your next steps with finding Andrea? Like, what are the plans? What are the goals? Where do we go from here? Uh, one of the volunteers uh, in my Andrea's Angels group suggested that I write uh, different foundations or different organizations. Um, one is the Cold Case Foundation. They're helping us out now. Dad and I have done uh, a group call like what we're doing now with them. Uh, they have a lot of specialists, like people who are retired that now use their talents um, to help find missing people. So that's, well, that's one amazing thing. news. Is that recent? Yes. Yeah, that's like with how long was that a week ago or, or has it been a bit longer, Dad? It's you know? several weeks ago, but there was another one today. Go ahead, Erin. Yeah, and then today uh, we met with Marsha, who is with the Q uh, Foundation. That stands for Community United Efforts. Uh they look for missing people and it's a similar situation where there's volunteers. Um, she actually asked me if I would be an advocate in the organization. So she wants me to join them, which I told her, yes, I think that's something I would definitely want to help people like me. Um, but anyways, she, they have a lot of resources. They, she could bring in as many search dogs as we need. And but their, their expertise is solely looking for remains. Yeah, these are cadaver dogs. That's, that's what they do. Well, to, yeah, they so they have cadaver dogs. And something that I learned that, that's new to me today is that they dogs, cadaver dogs can even search water. They yes. can, oh, like how, doesn't matter how deep? 
No, no, they can smell, they can smell remains in the water and it can be like a mile and a half downstream or upstream, oh. I'm not sure, and, and they can smell it and locate human remains. They can't, they can't tell if, it, like, who the person right. is, but they can tell that there's a deceased person and they can tell the difference between animal remains and human remains. So, this is huge for us. Right. Um, this is what you guys have kind of been waiting for. Like, I mean, this yeah. is great. Yeah. So they come from all across the country and, and they get together and like, we're we were like planning it out and they, she said she might need like 10 hotel rooms. So it's a large group of people. Um, but yeah, obviously I'm hoping that we do not find Andrea in this situation. Right. I'm hoping that it can rule that we'll roll it out, but we need closure regardless. So this is something that we, that has to be done. I feel. Um, sorry, guys. Um, that was, that was Duke. I'm sorry. Okay. He was uh, wanting a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it. He's a really good boy. <laughs> He's a yeah, very he, smart dog. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Um, Aaron, what is your theory about what happened to your sister? Well, the way I feel, and, I, and I've said this in other podcasts, is that we're all creatures of habit. You know how you hear that with humans. We all have things that we do a lot, and, and that makes a pattern. So Andrea, she had a habit of she's just this high-risk lifestyle. I don't, I guess it was the excitement, you know, that stuff that most people kind of grow out of. She was still kind of just hanging around bad people and uh, she was staying up late every night. Um, you know, that's why I was ready for bed and, and she was wanting to be out and making calls. So I feel like she was looking for someone to come pick her up. She wasn't ready to settle down for the night. Um, that's what she was doing every night before that night. And that's what she appeared to be doing when I saw her walking away from my house. The last time I saw Andrea, she was looking at the phone. So I feel like what makes the most sense to me is that she got in touch with someone and something bad happened after she left, something unexpected. Um, just oh. because with Ottoman Park being such a quiet area, it just, it, is it possible that something could have happened in, in Ottoman Park? Of course, but it just doesn't seem as plausible compared to other situations. What do you, Ted, what about you? And, and well, Dad, what's well uh, let's go back to the timeline a little bit. Uh, you know, when that timeline was put out, when right after Andrea came up missing, uh, because there was a lot of speculation with that timeline at the beginning from the other people in the documentary. Um, the, you just got to remember that timeline that was put out, it's always evolving and always changing. And it has changed a little since the beginning uh, when Tracy put out that timeline. We yeah, have found, new information. Yes. Yeah, we, we add to that timeline. Now that is not something that we're gonna put out there right now right. of what we've added to that timeline, but there's been an addition uh, an addition to that timeline. Um so, is that separate from what um, someone else has released? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Completely, completely different. Okay. From, I didn't want to mention names, so I yeah. Um, yeah. So. um so I kind of, I'm trying to get a feel for Andrea and the state of her mind. Um, so have past arguments been like this? Like, is this, um, how, 
how were, how was there a resolution? Did she just like walk away? Did, um, how did you guys come to a resolution? What was the aftermath? Well, other times when our, when we have like family arguments like that, it's normal, like exactly how that went. It's normal for one of us to walk away and cool off. And then 30 minutes later, everything's fine. So to me, the way that that happened that night, it's exactly like any other night. It wasn't nothing that happened that night was out of the ordinary for me. Okay. And if Andrea was able to get a ride that night, um, being, um, she was locked out, right? Yeah. So being locked out, um, where are some places that she would have chosen to go if she were able to? Well, I, my first thought was Amber. That that was her best friend and her roommate. Um, had Amber heard from her that night? No, Amber hadn't talked to her in a couple of weeks. I guess they had some kind of argument too and hadn't talked in a little while. So About her lifestyle or? I think so. Andrea was going over there and staying the night and I guess Amber said something like, this isn't a Grand Central Station. Like, if you're going to be here, be here and, and stay here. And, you know, don't. I guess she was just causing a lot of commotion. Uh, the night that Andrea went missing, did neighbors say that they heard anything, any noise or arguments? I don't think that there was anything that night, but I think other nights there had been. Uh, Ted might know more about this. Have you t- was it you or Tracy that talked to the, oh, it was well, you, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I just recently talked to some of the neighbors again, re-interviewed them. Uh, when, basically when I took, took the case over from Mark. I read his notes and read Tracy's notes and I kind of put them together. And then I wanted to go back and start interviewing some of the neighbors as well. Um, so I knew firsthand exactly what some of them had said. Um, so um, there was, you know, I know the documentary may have said something like that the neighbors heard something that, that night or what have you. And when I had spoke with the neighbors, they, they told me they hadn't heard anything, um, that night, you know, now prior to that, um, yes, they had heard some arguments and stuff like that, but not, not that night. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm asking this, um, just so we have it out there. So people know what is, um, what was, what is Andrea's clothing size? What's her shoe size? She wore a size depending on the brand like you know like dress shoes might be a little bit smaller and then tennis shoes I don't know I feel like they run a little bit bigger so if it's a dress shoe she wore eight and a half for tennis shoes she wore a size nine um we borrowed each other's clothes all the time you know there are times where she'd stay at my house and I'd give her my clothes and and vice versa so I know every all her size she wore um like if we're talking about like shorts, like comfortable shorts, she would wear like a large and a sh- her shirt was a large also. So Mike, this question is for you. Um, is Andrea's phone still being paid for to keep that line active? I don't have that information at all. Um, okay. the, the police, all I know is the police have the records and they're not sharing anything that was on the phone with us. Aaron, do you know any information on that? I, that's something that I didn't think about doing. It would have been a good idea. Her phone's disconnected now. Okay. Um, what Mike, can, what can you tell us about this gold? I read something about a gold Chevy Impala. Yes. Um, a quick story is um, we were at Aaron's uh, townhouse um, 
and the lead detective uh, Lauder was there doing DNA swabs on us because of a, a body that was found in the Delaware River and right at, that runs along uh, Philadelphia. So uh, I noticed the car coming by. Uh, it would drive and slow down, drive back, slow down, drive back, slow down. It kept doing it. And then just, just sitting right in front of her home. And uh, I turned to the, the detective and I said, you know, we're getting stalked. This car's out here. And he just, he thought nothing of it. He kind of um, blew it off and said, I bet you all get that all the time and kind of yucked it up a little bit. But that was very uh, fresh. How, how long after her disappearance was this? I believe it was, you know, within a couple of months. It was warm weather and it was early on. So that's probably right. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it was October is what I think is when it was. It was still warm. But um, anyway, it continued after he left. And uh, I got a little concerned about it. So one time I just ran out there to confront them. Good for you. And, I feel like I would have done that. <laughs> and I got close to them and they, they ran up, you know, they flew up the street. And then they came back slowly, kind of just looking at me, but very, very heavy tent on the windows. So I got in my car and chased after him. Yes, and, good for you, uh, Dad. And then I went, uh, then I got the uh, license plate and uh, turned it in to Lauder and it came back stolen. What? And the license plate was stolen. And I would have thought that they would have put a bolo out and they would have had that car pulled over in 30 seconds. Right. I mean, it, it, it faded away. Nothing ever became of it. It was gone in a, in an instant. And, and so it, it has not been found. Well, I'm not sure. Um, we, we, we've had another development to where maybe we do know where it is, but I, I can't really talk about that. Okay. Uh, I would, I would refer Ted to that one. If Ted can talk about it. Yeah. We, it, well, that's kind of hard for me to talk about too right now, but I can I can say we have uh, we have a known Impala right now. Okay. So okay, we'll we'll, we'll leave, leave it, it at that. that. Okay. Yeah, right that's now fair. we we have a known Impala and we know where it's at at this point. Okay, and Mike, um, well, you you and all of you actually, you've put yourself into some dangerous situations. Yeah, when uh, we were you've seen a lot of crazy yeah. things happen while you've been searching for Andrea too. Just like. I did. I, yeah, a couple of them. I'll bring them up real quickly. I saw, um, I've, I've seen a co-ed, looks like a 22-year-old girl just passed out, sitting on her back legs, um, called 911 to get some help there. I saw a, a seizure. I saw a rape in progress. Um, and, and I saw what I believe to be a trafficking situation of a very, very young girl in a hotel that like I was sitting old? 12, 10, 12, maybe sitting, sitting in the hotel. Uh, there was a sighting in this hotel and I was sitting on it. It was this probably, was in Louisville? it was, it was out, uh, out Preston highway near Fern Valley road at one of the, um, the, the newer, you know, lower end mm -hmm. overnight stay places kind of thing, but it was brand new place. Kind of nice. It was in the back where, you know, what the office wouldn't be able to understand or see what was going on. And uh, this this guy got out and he was just dragging this young girl and it didn't look to be voluntary. And uh, so I, I called 911 on that as well. So, so he wasn't screaming or anything? He was, no, he was essentially dragging her. Okay. And, uh, well, the and, reason I asked is because a lot of people are like, well, if they're not screaming, I'm just going to ignore this. Like they're not in danger, but like, that's not always the case. 
No. No, this this might have been threats going on. The worst that that was really, really bad. The the other bad thing that I saw was um is a rape in progress. These these poor homeless uh young girls uh, out on the streets. I'm sure Ted's seen these things. They they are they are just uh prey for the predators. And uh, I, I actually saw a guy stalk this girl, just kept following her and kind of and then he finally just pinned her against the wall and began to rape her. And and um, I was about a block away and I called the cops and time I went around the block and got back there, that was it was over with. But um, anyway, you, you just see a lot of things. And I'm sure the I'm sure the police see these things all the time. That's terrible. Like you a lot of people. I mean, you don't you don't hear about these things a lot of the times. So you don't you know, in our world, everything's perfect. But like you were seeing these things. And when you saw that young girl essentially being trafficked, you called the police. Yes. All, the, all those things. I called the police. Every time. It's- I called call 911 about three to three or four times. Yes. And when you when you're in those elements and, and trust me, I've been into a lot of shady places and a lot of um, homeless, homeless areas from from Indiana, Southern Indiana and Kentucky. And it really opened my eyes up, um, you know, being a PI, a lot of stuff that we do is insurance cases, you know, now don't get me wrong. Tracy has, is probably one of the best guys I know to find missing, missing people. I think the company, our company right now, we've found like 190 something people wow. um, in the, in the 25 years that Tracy's been doing this. Um, but once I got into this and I started going into the homeless areas and the camps and I call tent, what I call them the tent cities, um, because I mean, it is a whole community sometimes of people, you know, ranges from families all the way to, to, you know, mental, you got mental health issues with people, uh, drug addicts, alcoholics, and then you've got sections of just family where the system has failed them. So you see all walks of life in those areas. Um, so it, it is an eye opener. Um, and where Mike's talking, some of the areas that, that he's been in and, and while we've been in together several times or, or some rough areas, you know, so you've, you've got to, uh, and, and you see things that we, that your jaw would drop, you know, a lot of people always ask, why do I wear a vest, a bulletproof vest and have a dog and, this and that yeah. because I'm a PI and it's like, well, because I put myself in situations that I want to go home to my family, you know, at the end of the night. So I, I do have a dog and, and I do have a bulletproof vest and, and I do carry. And um, that's why I do because of those areas that we're in. And, and I've got to give it to Mike because he's, he's out on the search a lot and, you know, so that's why when, when he calls and says, Hey, I'm here, you know, uh, can you help me out? I'll, I'll you know, we come rolling. <laughs> so, I know so. um, there in the beginning, I know Aaron was out on a lot of missions too. Yes. Um, putting yes, her, she was. Yeah. Putting herself into some crazy situations. Um, mm-hmm. that, is that, that's why she primarily, that's why you primarily run the social media part now. Right. I, yeah. I asked her to, I, I said, Aaron, we, we can't risk, I can't risk another daughter. And there, there were at least two cases or two things that we did that I was really worried about her. I thought we'd, we were going to lose her. And 
she, um, we were essentially using her as a bait to go to a trap house. That's where they trap women and prostitute them. And uh, because we thought Andrea might be there. Now we were there, we were there in another car and she was having someone that knew that place take her there. So they, they just got a little too dangerous, even though we were, you know, we were, th- we were within 50 yards watching her the whole time. Um, it, it was, it was really worrisome. And um, Aaron, um, she's got, she's got a little independent streak on her and she'll, she'll want to <laughs> do some things without telling me and tell me after the fact and go to certain places and put flyers in areas where she shouldn't be. And um, I, I asked her, you can't tell um, a 30 something year old daughter what to do when you're a 60 plus year old man. You, uh, you suggest things and ask her or plead or what, whatever you can do. You, you, and yes, so she, she is mostly doing social media, but she does a lot of work out there putting flyers up and, and she does mm-hmm. the service and everything else. Erin, what, what, yeah. what am I missing? Yeah, I feel like I have, dad and I are similar with this part of how we're handling it. When, like when I have free time to get out and do something to help Andrea, I don't want to wait until someone else is free because then I'm not going to be able to do it. And we miss the opportunity. That's how it feels. So what I, I just want to go ahead and do it. I don't want to wait for anybody. Where do you even find the spare time? Like you work, your mom, like what? I don't know how you do it. You answer everything online. Yeah. As far as hanging like posters, what I will do, sorry, is, um, I hang them when I'm going from, you know, A to B to C, because I'm sure most, you know, people with young kids, you drive all over town already, you know, like I'm from, I'm going all over Louisville. So if I, when I see an intersection, I'll say like this, when I stopped this red light, for example, I looked right at this telephone pole, like your, your vision just naturally goes there. So I'll think, well, that's a great place to put one of Andrea's posters. So I'll get out and park at the gas station on the corner and go out and hang it really quick. Or like, maybe it'll be at a restaurant that I'm already going to with my kids. Anyways, I'll put the staple gun and some flyers in there. And on my way into the restaurant, I'll, I'll hang some on a few poles. So I do it. I mix it in because a few seconds here and there, it's not going to hurt anything, but it really pays off in the end and you end up getting posters all over town. And then there's times like on the weekend, especially, and sometimes I'll do it in the evenings also where I'll devote like a full hour or two to covering an area of interest where it might, there might be a lead or a sighting. So we do it for different purposes. Um, and also sometimes, um, when my kid, when my kids act up, sometimes I'll say, you can, you can, instead of putting them in the corner or some kind of timeout, I'm like, laminate some posters for me, you know, <laughs> there you go. You know, like do some dishes, laminate some, po- some posters for me. So, you know, like it's a team effort. They're the youngest Andrew of Andrea's angels is how I look at it. So, um, I, I just work it into my schedule that I already have going, but I don't know. I, I know a lot of people might have like a favorite TV show that they watch or, I don't know, some kind of art project they like to do in their free time, but this is what I like to do in my free time. I feel like, I don't know, everybody does something in their free time. Like, why not do something meaningful to me? And this is Absolutely. what is very meaningful to me. And it, and instead of doing something with my time that could be meaningless, I feel like I should do something 
that will really make a difference. So this is what, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but it gives me hope to do this and and it's worth it to me. I know that during some of this free time that I have, I would normally be spending it with Andrea. So the next best thing is helping her is how I feel about it. Um, But I've seen some crazy stuff. I remember one time I was on uh, Broadway down by JCC, you know, where the Taco Bell is. Yeah. So I was going through an alley because there was a a pole that I wanted to hang some posters on where I I would see people coming and going. So I was driving down the alley behind the, the Taco Bell and there was this girl that worked at Taco Bell at nighttime that was taking out the trash. And these two men, like they had, it looked like they had picked some poles up off the ground, like maybe from a broken fence or something. And they were following her with it, like kind of intimidating her. And she was like kind of hurrying up to get there. And, and like, she looked like she didn't know what she was going to do. So I obviously called 911 for that. So I've, it's, it's been crazy. I've, dad, dad has researched a lot about how to safely approach homeless people. So we've talked about that a lot. And I've, I've talked to this one girl, she broke my heart. I, I hung up one of Andrea's posters on the corner by a gas station. And, and, uh, anytime someone looks interested, like what, it, what is she doing? I'll say, this is my missing sister. Please take a picture of it. Please share it on any social media you have. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I did that with this woman and she said, I don't have a phone. I'm, I'm homeless, but if you check back in with me on this intersection, this is where I live. And, and I'll tell you if I see her, I'll, I'll look oh. for, your, for your sister. And she said, I wish my family looked for me like the way you look for your sister. And oh my God. that just really touched me. And it made me just feel so many different emotions all at once because she's someone's, someone's loved one. And I just think, I know that homeless people, some like they have problems, obviously, and you have to be careful, but they're human beings too with problems. And it, it just really, it makes yep. you see a different, even though you see a lot of bad things, you also realize that there's a lot of good, happening and yep. in, in times where you would think the worst that really great things can also come from these people and it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's sad seeing all the suffering that's happening in our city it really is it's hard well that motivated um me um to go out to some of these homeless camps after i've learned a whole lot that i've learned on this investigation to donate socks and pizzas and toothpaste toothbrushes and toothpaste and um you know anything that we can we can help um as well so now now i go out there about once a month over here in southern indiana to some of those areas that mike mike was with me at um searching and so i'll drop off some things now um, just to help them out you know i've met several several different vietnam vets out there and and listen to their stories and um so now we'll, me and Duke will swing by there. They know who Duke is now and um, really we'll bring nice. him in. So um, that's just, you know, just to give back a little bit. You know, if we can help a couple people out there, then, hey, we've, we've done a little something good. You know, just like, yeah. just like Aaron said, if, if at, at this point right now, if we can do something good, even though something bad has happened, that's going to, it's, it's just, it's just meaningful. Yeah, you, know, you want to do something meaningful to help people when you see all this suffering. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. And you really get to see how they live. Like we had a man, dad and I were on Preston uh, by Aldi's. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with that area, but there's like a little bit of woods and 
uh, dad and I walked up to the, to a clearing and in, in some woods there. And this little dog comes running out to greet us. Like you could tell he's like protecting his front door basically, you know, and, um, dad and I were like, we're wanting to get this person's attention. We didn't want to walk into his, his home and dad called for him. And at first he was angry and we were kind of like, you know, just making sure we keep a distance from this person. And, and we could tell he was upset. And dad was just saying, I'm just here to look for my daughter. I'm here to look for my daughter. And, and he held up the missing poster, you know, and he, and he said, we can go because we can tell you're upset. We didn't want to disturb you. I'm sorry. And so we started to walk away and he kind of, I think we took him off guard. He was just surprised by how, you know, by the way dad handled that, which that's what his research told him to do. Make sure you just announce yourself and don't, because even though it's a public area, that's their home. And we right. wouldn't, you wouldn't break into a person's home. So right. don't do that to them. So he, it kind of, I think it took this guy off guard and he said, I appreciate you all respecting my home and, and not, and not coming in here and, and you know, announcing yourself like that. And, and he, he said, I, and he welcomed us inside. And so we saw like how he had it set up, like he had a cooler in, in there and, it was like, I don't know, he had it like sectioned off into different rooms and mm -hmm. you could tell he was doing the best he could with what he had really. And I don't know, he might've had some kind of record where he couldn't get a job or maybe it was mental health, but I mean, he was, he said he has a daughter the same age as Andrea and, oh and, and it, it, it just, it he resonated with him. Yeah. Yeah. He was just sad. He sad for us and our situation and he, he wanted to help too. And, and being in the situation he's in that's yeah even though he was in a, in a bad situation already he wanted to help us so it just it just makes you think completely different about about this and and seeing and seeing how they live it, it's it's hard like like you can't you can't always take a shower a lot of times they just throw off once when they're dirty they just take their clothes off and throw them away and that's why you see a lot of trash and things so then they go through clothes a lot like that's what kind of happens to people in that situation it's really sad but that's one reason I, I would say that they need so much uh, Mike prior to Andrea's disappearance what did your family look like 20 years from now to you you mean if Andrew wasn't didn't leave right what does it look like in 20 years? Well, you got some different questions tonight. <laughs> different than yeah, that is, that is a really interesting one. Um, provided I'm still alive, then uh, I would just say that, that I, would, I would have uh, probably a couple more grandchildren and maybe even uh, a couple great grandchildren. Uh, we've got a son, we've got a grandson turning 18 pretty soon, don't we, Aaron? Yeah, it's crazy. So he's he's, a, he's becoming a young man. So, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, time marches on. You can't stop it. You've got you to accommodate it the best you can. And um, uh, I, what I anticipate myself doing, I can't really speak to everybody else. Um, when I retire, which may come sooner than I had originally anticipated because of what's going on here, um, I'm probably going to cut my work life a little short and maybe, maybe put more effort in Andrea and maybe even some other causes that are similar to that. 
Um, Aaron and I have discussed this. Um, no matter what happens with Andrea, we're probably going to try to do some work in this area or something similar to this. I'm so glad uh, to hear you say that because, you know, not just for Andrea's sake, but I know that we're shorthanded with hmm. LMPD and like what they're capable of doing. And there's other groups out there who had said that they had the best intentions and we're trying to, but like, honestly, like we really need people with that heart um, and that knowledge to get involved for, for everyone. So yes, yeah, some, some of that. And um, I've, it's hit me again, how important, how incredibly important and primary family is. So I, I would see myself really doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on taking care of my family, helping them in any way I can. Um, and be a, be a second father to, to some of these boys. I, I, I think that might be my, one of my new roles. And um, it has been kind of anyway, but it's really gonna become more important. So Thank you, that, that is what I intend to do. And um, if I can help some other people, that that would be very, 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 very um, good for them. And, and um, obviously I think the people that help them actually get just as much out of that too. Yes. So it would be very rewarding for me too, if, if I could help some other people and um, very proud of Erin. I, I think in all of her social media, she's helped other people. She's inspired people. Absolutely. I agree. And um, I'm, I'm very, very proud of her from that. And I don't know if I've told her about that specifically, but I am Erin. Thank you, Dad. Just, be, just because so. I don't go on Facebook and comment doesn't mean I'm not watching. <laughs> what are they there's a name for people like me. What do they call me, Aaron? What are, the people um, that, creepers, I guess. <laughs> a creeper? Or a, or a, am I a lurker? Or what, what do you call me? Yeah, lurker. There you go. You're a lurker. <laughs> so I've been this that. close, Aaron. I've been this close to breaking free of that and to, to start commenting. Though I've, I, you know how hard I have a time not giving my opinion, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is very unlike you. I agree. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So sometimes we laugh at things like this to keep from going absolutely stark raving mad. So I, I was, I know that you all um, had both given DNA swabs. Um, you've both agreed to be polygraphed. Um, I know they haven't followed up with that yet. And there's probably good reason for that, but you've both volunteered. Um, That's true. What yeah, other? I've, I've said they can have my phone or look through my house or do anything that they need to, to, get past that and go on to the next thing but they didn't want any of that stuff either are there any other friends or family members that have volunteered to do this no i don't think so has anyone just flat out refused to that you know of yes okay these are um could you tell us who yes uh sarah and ethan decided they didn't want to have any part of it and and uh, they just refer back to their statement they gave the police. They, they were taped on their interview okay. and they, they've really said everything they want to say. And really, they don't have anything else more they want to say. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons not to give, uh, take a polygraph for anybody for that matter. Right. Um, so these are questions that I got from social media. Erin, um, I know you saw like when I put the post out, like, does anyone have anything? 
Um, I know you and Tracy answered a lot of those questions. Some of them were sent directly to me. Um, I really just think, you know, nobody wants to hurt anyone's feelings. So um, I will ask these if you don't want to answer them. Any of you, you know, that's, that's fine. We can move on. Um, okay. The first one is, what can you tell us about Andrea's alleged involvement with drugs? Um, well, I'll, I'll go with this one. Um, so what I witnessed myself is that I knew she was prescribed Adderall. Um, we also saw the, the medicine bottles of that. Um, it's possible that she might've been misusing that. Um, I had a key to her last home and she told me I could come in anytime I wanted. And I never saw any proof of her using any other drugs. Um, I didn't see her even smoke cigarettes or drink very much. So I didn't really see that side of her. Um, but obviously there were some people coming around that kind of seemed to have issues. So, and then she was having her skin problems. I know a lot of people bring that up. Um, and that could be a sign of, of hard drugs. So we were worried that that was happening. And I feel like we were just starting to, to help her to figure it out and help her when she went missing. So we didn't get a chance to figure out and get to the bottom of that. And I know that um, almost any single mother would probably do anything, you know, for their children um, or to get out of their self out of the hole. And I know she was in a bad situation at the time. Do you think that Andrea was dealing to get by? Uh, it's a possibility, but I really don't know for sure. There's no proof of that. The, the people that have said that, that that's a possibility, they're, they're not credible people. Matter okay. of fact, they, I think they lie as much as they tell the truth. And I, I wouldn't trust a word they say. But we don't know that. We, I don't know the answer to that for sure or not. Yeah. We, we only know we haven't seen her do that. We, we think that she was abusing Adderall, which was legally prescribed. By the way, it also affect can affect your complexion and your and your mental health. Yes, right. absolutely. It can. And so, you know, that, that you know, it may have been Adderall that influenced some things that happened to her. Uh, but we are perfectly aware that that also could have been a gateway to other things. So we, we have ruled nothing out that we, we don't have any facts uh, that it was other type of drugs other than hearsay by people that. Uh, let's just say they're dishonest. Uh, that's the way they handle themselves and most of their life choices. Yeah. yeah a lot of mm -hmm. one person that was like mainly saying that or accusing me of not being honest. Um, I checked, I checked around with our mutual friends just, just, Hey, what do you know about this guy? And they all told me terrible things about him. Like that he robbed people and, and, and just all kinds of other terrible things that, uh, mm -hmm this documentary wanted to make him out to be some kind of saint and he did things that I would never dream of doing. So you can't really. Is this person's initials MR? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I had some follow-up questions about him later. I, I didn't want to watch the docu, the docu-series. I wasn't going to, but then once I started getting all these questions, I was like, gosh, I, I feel like to help, like I need to, to help clear it up and we cancel discovery, you know, right after, yeah. um, for those who haven't seen it, I wouldn't recommend to see it. Um, so you can go watch it, but don't. And, um, I'll watch it with a critical eye if you do watch it. Right. If you do watch it, be very, very, um, open and aware 
they're very, I mean, they're very good at editing. I mean, they are slick. Um, and if you go into it, you want to try to remain unbiased the entire time. And let me tell you, it was very hard to do that um, with the way that things were set up. Like they made Mike out to be, you know, the tough father and Aaron doesn't care. And uh, God knows what Ted and Tracy are doing. Like it was ridiculous. Um, yeah. And you guys can hear them firsthand. And I've witnessed this, like they are doing everything that they can. They're, you wouldn't do this, you know, if you, if you didn't care or if you had some sort of an involvement, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. People that, people that want to take a stand and do the right thing will put themselves out there like the way we're doing right now. Not someone, right. someone that has stuff to hide would be scared to answer questions like this as much as we do, I feel. And it's just, it's crazy to me that they didn't include any of like they were supposed to make it a, a call to action is how the, how they told us it would be and that's what obviously made us want to do it we were planning on doing it regardless because it we knew it would raise awareness for andrea and we've had this happen a bunch of times where people are judgmental of us but we we wanted to do it anyways but i i found it just very disheartening that they told us it would be a call to action they said it would be the first show of the of its kind where they asked for the public's help and that really was couldn't be further from the truth it makes you wonder how many people they say that to well yeah. it went a little further it's important to know for your your viewers of this podcast that um the lead producer was fired midway through i think maybe he was doing what we wanted him to do um and they He's didn't like the direction. yeah they didn't like the direction it was going and and uh, they fired him was this the one it, that was at, um, I think I met him. Was he at one of the searches? Th this is John Kim. Okay. And yeah. he's the one that uh, founded the first 48 series. Yes. That's on A&E. And, &E. and uh, he was he was let go about halfway through. And he's the guy whose ear I was in about tr show, you know, make your show, but show the positive side to give people a reason to want to find this girl. Right, this is a guy who wants to do the right thing, and they're like, <laughs> "That well, doesn't sell." I honestly feel like this story is—I know it's your all story, it's your family story, but I don't really think it needs to be spruced up in any way. Um, exactly, it's it's it, interesting. It's a crazy story. It leads to many paths. Like, you don't need that. Yeah, it could have already been a very interesting story just by telling the truth, but they didn't want that. So um, no, they wanted. They created a, their own a narrative of the way they wanted to dramatize and sensationalize of um, the story, and and that all revolves back to uh, two other certain people that helped create that narrative for them. So, so what can any of you tell us about um, a hole in the wall at Mom's house that was maybe head height that had been patched? Well, probably not true at all, but if there is anything, it's important to know that the, the main bathroom that was being renovated, it backs up to the bedroom that they were talking about where the hole was. Okay. So they were knocking holes in the wall and doing things there anyway. Completely so that was, part of, right. that was part of the remodel. And we don't, we don't think there was any hole there to begin with. We think it might've been cracked a little bit and it was part of the, of the, they, they had to do an extensive rehab of this thing because uh, there were there were some major issues 
with it once they got inside the walls. So anyway, yeah, there was I, uh, that was a major issue. Go ahead, Erin. Um, yeah, so I saw it. There was a, a hairline, like very thin crack that was at the top of the ceiling on that wall. And it went down about a foot or two. Oh my gosh, so, we have so many cracks in our, <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so they put some of that, what's it like spackle, I think maybe. So they put some of that over it and then they painted it just to make it all the same color again. So that's, so that, I feel like that got blown out of proportion and, you know, they turned it into something different to make it exciting. So we, we also, I mean, we all know that like everyone handles grief and depression and anger, um, differently. No one's the same. Um, what a lot of people are asking though, is how do you all feel personally about Sarah's silence? Karen, you want to go first? You want me to? I mean, I'll say how I feel. Obviously, obviously it's upsetting to me not having more help. There's a lot of people in my family that I wish was doing more to help me. Uh, we, we have a big family, but um, sometimes I, I feel, the way I feel about this is that people treat us like we're characters in a story, in a movie or something. They don't realize I'm not a superhero. I have, I have my own set of problems and a very full life in addition to this. And you don't know, Sarah, you don't know what she has going on in her life. Uh, you don't, and it, I just, I think it's wrong. It's cruel to judge someone who is grieving. What about so, you, Mike? Am I a little bit upset with her? Of course, but I think that people are going way too far with it and, it, and it's terrible. Right. Well, my, my relationship's a little different than Aaron. Um, Sarah um, and I haven't spoken in two years. Um, tonight was the first night she sort of reached out to me by allowing me to, to watch and witness um, her, her daughter's birthday party via Zoom. So that was almost kind of like a breakthrough tonight. Oh, but that's awesome. Brought it, to you by Aaron. I helped. Good job, Aaron. facilitated that. That's no doubt. But I am extraordinarily disappointed in her because I know the girl I know is a fighter and she, and I, I don't understand it, and I, I want her to explain it to me. And uh, I, I hope I'm able to get over it. And I hope they don't have information that could help us because of all the things that we've been through, and some of them we mentioned to you tonight, a portion of them, were some very dangerous things. And, and if they could have helped or knew the person that we should talk to or anything like that that could have helped or you know, persons that she was seeing that were coming over, the two months before she went missing, they, they probably knew some of those people that we don't even know still to this day. Would you say that's accurate, Aaron or, and Ted? Yeah, I, I, I'd say that uh, that's pretty accurate. I, I, think we are, I think we are closing in on a group of certain individuals right now. Um, so we'll leave it at that. that right. Uh, but I just mean they could have helped yeah. And yes. they have, it. and yeah. uh, and that's that's your own flesh and blood you're you're looking for. I I just don't get it, and I don't understand it. 
and um, and it's it's it just tells me that she's hurting too, Sarah. I mean, there's something going on with her. She is not the the daughter that I raised because I I know her very well, and um, so I, I am worried about her too. I, sure. I think I think she's going through some major issues, some 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 health issues, mental health issues. Is there any evidence to suggest that Andrea may have slept in her car the night of her disappearance? The reason, I don't think that there's necessarily evidence. It's, it's hard to say for sure, because I mean, think about it. Like if, if you use that car every single day, it's hard to know, oh, she was in here for what reason, you know, like you can't really tell. There wasn't blankets or pillows or anything in the car, but the door was unlocked. Um, and the reason that that came into play, there, like that that's being discussed, is because there, before she went missing, there were times where she had arguments with like my mom and she would go sleep in the car just because she was angry, not, you know, not because she had to. So it's something, it's a behavior that she had done before she went missing. So it's my whole family, like we have all thought it's possible that she slept in her car that night. Um, was Ethan working on renovations or construction sites, you know, besides mom's house around the time of Andrea's disappearance? That's not, the only time I see and talk to Ethan is if he, if we're at the same place at the same time. So I'm not really, I'm not around him enough to know like what his normal, like what he does on a regular basis. When's the last time that you were around him? He was on the video call tonight for the birthday party. Okay. And that was like the first in a couple of years. I've seen him in a couple of other get togethers, but okay. I've, I've kind of not been going to all of, like I didn't go to Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything. Okay. Um, for, for time's sake, I'm going to jump to uh, Tracy's um, questions and answers. 